oh, let's look at this about, uh, you know, why is it that I don't feel perfect in the, in the, oh, in the, oh, why does it affect me when I try to pray? Because I, I don't think God's going to help me as long as I feel like uh, uh, I'm not as good enough for him as he wants me to be. Well, there's a lot of, <laughs> it's so, it, it all can be summed up in mercy. I mean, but you've got to consider that you have got God's mercy to you. And this is where we say you fight the good fight of faith. I mean, it's a, uh, we can be our own worst enemy here. Look, watch this. In James chapter 2 here, and if we look down here to, uh, oh, uh, let me switch over here to the, uh, oh, to the King James. Just one moment. All right, here we go. James chapter 2. Uh, look at this right here. Um, he says, verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. Now, that doesn't seem fair to me. I mean, look, if you, the Ten Commandments will just say, you do pretty good except for you have told a lie. Well, I, I've told a lie before. According to this, that's all it took. If you mess up in one thing, you're guilty of it all. Look at verse 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if you don't commit adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. Wow. I mean, my goodness, we, we are already in trouble, you know. Uh, if words mean anything, and of course they do. Let me switch this over to the, uh, to the Living Bible here. Watch this. Oh. And see, this really helps us because a lot of times we want to, when it's time to pray, we forget about the name of Jesus. We just feel like that's, a, uh, that's just part of the, the method. It's not just the method. It's the only way because it's not on our merit. You know, it's how good did I do this week or did I, or do I just feel guilty right now? A lot of times when you feel guilty, you won't ask the Lord to uh, help you or you'll begin to reason why finances are not working like they ought to be. You'll think, well, because I'm just not. And that's not true. God wants to get his glory working through your whole life and, um, and all these wonderful blessings. So watch this. Verse 9, if you are breaking this law of our Lord when you, uh, well, verse, verse 10, the person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip, wow, is just as guilty as the person who's uh, broken every law there is. Oh, man. Well, when you think about Adam, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and when they ate that fruit, that cost them everything. It, to me, it didn't sound like it was, you know, God should be a little hard there. Well, it wasn't about God being hard. It opened the door to sin. Everything was lost as a result of one sin. Oh. But anyway, look at verse 11. For the God who said you must not marry a woman who, is already ha who already has a husband also said you must not murder. So even though you have not broken the marriage laws by committing, uh, let's see, by committing, well, excuse me, roll down too far. Uh, because even though you have not broken the marriage laws by committing adultery, but you've murdered someone, you have... Uh, entirely broken God's laws and stand utterly guilty before him. Well, what do we do, Richard? Well, what, let's keep reading. See, he has the reason he's telling us this. You will be judged on whether or not you are doing what Christ wants you to do. So watch what you do and what you think. For there will be, watch this, there will be no mercy to those who have shown no mercy. But if you have been merciful, 
then God's mercy towards you, well, look at this, will win out over his judgment against you. I mean, we're not going to stand guilty for anything. Because why? Because we show mercy to others. Oh. Let's go over here to uh, the book of Matthew. I mean, you can actually just beat yourself up so hard that you think, I don't know if God will ever help me. And you're just, you're just, you'll just be wrong. Because God will help you. We've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. Oh, let's see. Let's start down here at uh, verse 23. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him $10 million. Okay. He couldn't pay. So the king ordered him sold for the debt, also his wife and children, everything he had. Boy, that's a pretty tough penalty. The man fell before the king, his face in the dust, and said, Oh, sir, be patient with me, and I will pay uh, all of it. The king was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave him the debt. He didn't say, Well, we'll break it down into easy payments. He just forgave him all of it. Wow. Now, remember, Jesus said this is like the kingdom of heaven. In other words, this is about us. That's the reason he mentioned this story. But when the man left the king... He went to a man who owed him $2,000, grabbed him by the throat, and demanded instant payment. The man fell before him and begged him to give him a little time, be patient, I'll pay it. But his creditor, uh-oh, uh, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt would be paid in full. Then the man's friends went to the king and told him what happened. The king called him before the man. Uh, he, excuse me, the king called before him the man he had forgiven and said, you evil-hearted wretch. What? What did I do? What did I do? Here I forgave you all that tremendous debt just because you asked me to. Shouldn't you have, there it is, mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? This is an actual story of Jesus. Jesus is not up on the throne like that sign down the road we see I saw the other day, wherever it is, because I think it's on some church down here, which says, don't make me come down there. See, that's the mentality we hear sometimes. We think, oh, no, when Jesus comes, he is really going to be mad. Don't worry. He is on your side. He's on your side. Anyway, the king sent the man to the torture chamber until he had paid every last penny. Wow. If you keep going, he says, and so shall my heavenly father do to you if you refuse to truly forgive your brothers. Wow. What well, does this mean he forgives me? Well, of course, that's what the story is all about. Uh, let's go to, uh, uh, I want to go here to Luke and uh, uh, 7 here. Oh, uh, right here. Oh, uh, yeah, look at this. Wow. Oh. Oh. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to catch that in just a minute. This part right here is where we'll start. Watch this. Oh, let's see. Okay, one of the Pharisees, verse 36, 
asked Jesus to come uh, to his home for lunch. And Jesus accepted the invitation. Uh, and uh, anyway, he uh, uh, he said to me, let me catch a little more screen. Hang on one second. Uh, okay. As they sat down to eat, look at this. A woman of the streets, a prostitute? Yeah. Heard he was there. And bought and brought an exquisite flask filled with expensive perfume. Going in, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping with her tears falling down upon his head. Feet. And she wiped him off with her hair and kissed them and poured the perfume on him. When Jesus, host, a Pharisee, saw what was happening uh, and who the woman was, he said to himself, This proves that Jesus is no prophet. For if God had really sent him, now we can think this way, you know. God didn't need to even bless me at all because he knows what a terrible person I am. Now, we can have this attitude. This proves Jesus was no prophet, for if God really sent him, he would know what kind of woman this is. Now, remember, we already know we've got to show mercy. Okay. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said, now you got remember, time out, remember, he didn't say this out loud. Jesus just knew what this man was thinking. He spoke up and said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, the teacher, Simon, replied, go ahead. Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 5,000 to one, 500 to another. But neither of them could pay, so he kindly forgave them both, letting them keep the money. Which one do you think loved him uh, the most after that? Well, Simon said, well, I suppose the one who owed him the most. Oh, <clears throat> Correct, Jesus agreed. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look, see this woman kneeling here? When I entered your home, you didn't bother to offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You refused me the customary kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from uh, the time I first came in. You neglected the usual courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she's covered my feet with rare perfume. Therefore, her sins, and they are many, are forgiven. For she loves much. But the one who is forgiven little shows little love. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Now, you've got to remember, too, that this woman must have took a pretty good risk trying to come into this holy man's house to begin with. Wonder why she did that. That's because she knew there was somebody more holy in there. It was Jesus. That's all that mattered was Jesus. Her only prayer when she drew her last breath to be able to go to heaven was going to be Jesus. It was not how well she impressed this Pharisee. She knew who Jesus was. And I tell you what, oh, our position here, oh, no matter where you are in your life, whatever you feel like's going on, uh, it's the same way. I mean, why do we even need this story? Well, it showed mercy, see. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's see, I, let's see, 15, watch this. Look at the start of this one. Isn't this amazing? Chapter 15, dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus' sermon. But this caused complaints from the Jewish religious leaders and the experts on the Jewish law because he was associating with such 
despicable people and eating with them. So Jesus used this illustration. If, uh, if you had a hundred sheep and one of them uh, went astray and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 and go to others and search for the lost one until you found it? And then would you joyfully uh, carry it on home on your shoulders? And when you arrived, you would call together your friends and neighbors and rejoice with you because your lost sheep was found. I mean, see, you know, Jesus is not out to try to say, you are making a mistake. <laughs> we are all making mistakes. He's trying to save us. Verse 7, well, in the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God over all the 99 others who haven't strayed away. Oh, Let me go over here to, uh, let's see, 17, right, excuse me, 18. All right, just one second. Oops, I passed it here. Here it is, right here. Look at this, right here. Verse 10. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a proud, self-righteous Pharisee, the other a cheating tax collector. He didn't say this guy had a heart. He said this, he was a cheating tax collector. Why are we getting these comparisons? You know, well, that's because God's having mercy on all of us. The proud Pharisee prayed this prayer. Thank God I'm not uh, a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. I never cheat. I don't commit adultery. But guess what? If he broke any of the Ten Commandments, like lying, thou shalt have no other, no other gods before you. Okay. What else? Honor your father and mother. Oh, you mean he was a perfect child? He, he never said anything back to his mother? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Verse 12. I go without food twice a week. I give the God a tenth of everything I own. But the corrupt tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He beat upon his own uh, uh, upon his own chest. Uh, yeah. In sorrow, honey, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returns home forgiven. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble shall be honored. What do we get from this? You know, what you get from this is, let me back over here to uh, uh, Let's go to the book of Galatians. God really is as good as he says he is. You can get the feeling that uh, no matter what you face, God's not going to help you because, you know, uh, we're just not as good as some others. Well, that's just not true. Uh, this is in the book of Galatians here. And... Uh, Okay, let's see. All right, let me go here. Okay. Look at verse 4. Even that question wouldn't have come up except for some so-called Christians there, false ones really, who came on to spy on us and to see what freedom we enjoyed in Christ Jesus as to whether, look at this, we obeyed the Jewish laws or not. They tried to get us all tied up in their rules like slaves and chains. See, in other words, if, 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 if I don't do certain things, Jesus won't love me. We can all feel that way pretty easily. We've got little benchmarks. 
Well, look down here at verse 5. But we did not listen to them for a single moment. We did not want to confuse you by thinking, uh, into thinking that salvation can be earned by being circumcised or obeying a Jewish law. In other words, you've got all these rules and regulations, and, and I will get to heaven if I keep all these laws. No, uh -uh, that's not true. That's not true. Look at this again here. Oh. Verse 16, and yet we Jewish Christians know very well that we cannot become right with God by obeying our Jewish laws, but only by faith in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And so we too have trusted Jesus that we might be accepted to God by faith, and not because we have obeyed the Jewish laws. For no one will be ever saved. No one will ever be saved by obeying them. You can put yourself under so much pressure. How is it that I can get God's favor? You're not going to get his favor other than just accepting Jesus. I, 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 and accepting is not a certain time in your life I've decided to follow Jesus. It's you accept that uh, I can't make it without you. Let me, let me show you, well, before it passes, one more little spot right here. Verse 17 says, uh, but if we trust Christ to save us, and then we find we're wrong and that we cannot be saved without being circumcised and obeying, and obeying all the other Jewish laws. Wouldn't we need to say that Christ, faith in Christ has ruined us? God forbid. Look down here at, uh, again, verse 18, he's telling us again, rather, we're sinners if we start rebuilding the old system that I've been destroying by trying to be saved by keeping the Jewish law. What can I do, Jesus, to go to heaven? What can I do? You don't need to do nothing. You belong to Jesus. He's going to take you. The thief hanging on the cross. He was a thief. He's dying. And he told Jesus, he says, hey, remember me. Remember you? <laughs> you need to prove you're going to live right. This guy's dying. That's not what Jesus said, though, did he? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. What did he ever do to earn salvation? Nothing. Look down here at verse 20. Um, I have been crucified with Christ. And I myself no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the real life I now have within this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not one of those who treat Christ's death as meaningless. For if we could be saved by keeping Jewish laws, there was no need for Christ to die. We've been celebrating Christmas. The reason we celebrate is because we couldn't save ourselves. The reason he came in this manger is because we needed him. He didn't come down here and point his finger and say, Richard, you are, you have just, Richard, you, man, are you ever going to straighten out your life? That's not the story. That's not the story. Look at with me over here in, uh, we'll just call this emergency situation here. And you can see that, again, it's based on uh, mercy. This is a psalm, notice, is it just music or whatever? No, it's a prayer. So watch what happens in this prayer. Uh, let me go to King James just a moment. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication, and thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. I would kind of lose everybody right there. We'll look at the living Bible in a moment, but watch this. Verse 2. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Verse 1, he's saying... I'm in trouble. Please hear me. Verse 2, 
He senses that he has no right, no permission to pray that way, but he says, look, God, there ain't nobody on this earth has the right to pray to you and get your help. And he's saying what? He's saying, don't enter into judgment. Who do we think we are to tell God not to say, Melody, you have made too many mistakes? Wait, I know his mercy. He forgives. I am so going to be all right. Now watch this. Oh, and by the way, he goes right into, he must believe it because he goes right into saying, there is a bad guy on 4th and Elm, and he's doing 60 miles an hour, and he's on his way. He didn't sit there and go, oh, you know, hum, dilly, bum, dilly, bum, 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 oh, oh, I, I know I'm such a worm. I know you won't help. David went right to it and said, Goliath is on his way, and I'm going to get him. Whether I feel you're with me or not, I'm going because I believe. And that's how he slew Goliath. He took him out. He never once thought. Do you think David thought he was perfect when he was 10 or 11 years old? I don't think so. You, you, you already find he has it out with his brothers, Eliab, and whatever. They were like saying, David, I know why you're down here. You just want to see the battle. And David throws his hands up and says, what have I done? So he already was having an argument with his brothers right before he meets 14-foot-tall Goliath. Well, I probably should have been nicer to my brother. Oh, no. David never thought that way. And you should never think that way either. God is on your side. If there's something that God wants you to work out in your life, he's going to tell you. He's going to tell you. Let's switch this to the Living Bible. Watch this. Living Bible. Hear my prayer. You know, I think we mix, we, we mess up sometimes. We miss that. We think, well, that's just, that's just part of the Scripture. No, it's not like that. Have you ever got a cell phone? I've talked to Bob before, and, and I'm talking on cell phone. Uh, you got me? You still there? <laughs> That's what we're doing. Hey, Lord, you there? I'm losing connection. Hey, hey, you listen? I, I'll say that sometimes if I'm talking with Melody sometime and I got something real important, I go, hey, are you listening? And when she says, yeah, I got you. Then, and you know how it is, Phil. You go, okay, you, you listen, Tyler? This is what I need you to uh, get this message. It's real important. You listen? Yeah. That's what he's saying. Hear my prayer. In other words, I'm not going to do this again. I need you now because I see the trouble coming. Oh, Lord, answer my plea because, look at this, you are faithful to your promises. So, see, we have a basis for knowing he's going to be merciful. We know he's going to be merciful. You can just think with your mind that, that when Jesus had that prostitute come into that Pharisee's house, please let the Baptist preacher's house. Don't come in now, woman. Oh, man. She's going to think I'm messing around with you. Do you not realize I am the Son of God? What got into your mind? I mean, that's why the, the Simon the Pharisee thought, if this guy was from God, he would never have that. No, if he was from God, he would welcome that woman in. Because we all need mercy. He leaves the 99. That was the reason Jesus came down here to earth, and he scored a touchdown with her. She knew mercy was there. Why? Because she loved so much. She was crying at his feet. She was pouring that expensive perfume. I'm sure that stuff we were talking about earlier, she had money. She had money. She dumped all that perfume on him. Look at this. Don't bring me to trial. Well, David, you're a wonderful king. You never did make a mistake. Oh, buddy, he had. He made mistakes just like you and I did. He writes in Psalm 103, Lord, these are my benefits, and I thank you for them. You forgive all my sins. And then he says, and you heal me every time I'm sick. Wow! 
as compared with you, no one is perfect. Oh, man. And then he goes right into it. My enemies chased me and caught me. They knocked me to the ground. They forced me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. Now, I'm sure your problem today is not as bad as that. But if it was, you'd get just as much help. Remember the, I remember the glorious miracles you did in days long ago. I reach out to you. I thirst for you as a parched land thirst for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I'm going to die. Does it sound like he's kind of just hoping God will have time for him? Nope. He's expecting it. He really is. Let me see your kindness in the morning. Well, that's going to be pretty quick, isn't it? Well, you never know when God's going to do something. David was sitting there tapping his foot. Yeah. This time tomorrow morning, I'm either dead or I'm alive. But let me see your kindness in the morning. Look what else he says. Save me from my way. We missed that part. For I'm trusting in you. Show me where to walk for my prayer is sincere. Save me from the enemy. Now notice when he says, my prayer is sincere, he didn't say, well, you know, I'm so perfect. He already started out saying, look, don't bring <laughs> Don't talk about judgment right now. I am I'm doomed if we do. Okay. Save me from my enemies. Oh, Lord, I run to you to hide. Help me do your will. For you, my God, lead me in the good path for your spirit is good. Now, look at this. He's still bargaining. You know, Lord, Lord, saving me will bring glory to your name. Would you feel bold enough to tell the Lord that? Say, you know, Lord, it's going to work out better if, uh, if things work out for me. Because I'm going to tell everybody how good you are to me. I mean, why not? Abraham told God one time when God said, well, I'm going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and that's going to be the end of those towns. Abraham said, well, what if there's 50 righteous there? Will you spare that city? God says, well, okay. If there's 50 there, for your sake, I will. David, I mean, David, but Abraham bargained with him down to 10. Well, if there's just 10 down there, God says, for your sake, if there's 10, I won't. Trouble is, there weren't 10. But God knew what he was after. It was his nephew, you know, Lot. And God sent an angel and got Lot and his family out. But anyway, verse 11, Lord, saving me will bring glory to your name. Bring me out of all this trouble. Look at this. Because you're true to your promises. And because you are loving and kind to me, cut off all my enemies. Destroy those who are trying to harm me, for I am your servant. Praise the Lord. Right, how much further do we need to go? Oh, we have his mercy. His mercy is so great. It, 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 just, it just boils over into everything. One last place. Let's look right here and we'll stop. Oh, oh right close. David again writes, bless the Lord. I mean, bless, excuse me. I bless the holy name of God with all my heart. Yes, I will bless the Lord and forget not the glorious things he does for me. Not that he has done, he does. King James says his benefits. Verse 3, he forgives all my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with kindness and tender mercy. Now you got to remember, David is not a preacher. He's a king. He's a businessman, like we were talking about, you know. These other kings were trying to kill him. He had people in his staff were trying to kill him. 
He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like evil. I mean, like, excuse me, like the eagle. But now let's look at this. Look at verse 8. He's merciful and tender toward, toward those who don't deserve it. He's slow to get angry, full of kindness. Look at this. He never bears a grudge, nor remains angry forever. Look at this. He's not punished us as we deserve for our sins. His mercy toward those who fear him and honor him is as great as, as the height of the heavens above the earth. We looked at the woman that was caught, I mean, the, 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 the prostitute. We looked at that evil, cheating tax collector guy. And I didn't even get to Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus was one of those guys too. This is fact. So it's not about us being perfect here. Verse 12, he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. What's all this about? I mean, God's going to bless you tremendously. He really is. Verse 17, but his loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting to those who reverence him. His salvation, and that means your personal problems day to day, whatever you're faced with, not to mention going to heaven, is to his children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant and remember to obey the Lord made the heavens his throne, and for there he's ruler over him. Bless the Lord, ye his mighty angels. Praise God. Why do we get all wrapped up into thinking that let everything everywhere bless the Lord? Oh, how I bless. Why? Oh, he makes me. This is our response. I can't help but praise God. Why? Because I know no matter whatever I do, he died on the cross for me. I don't have to worry about that. For some reason, he loves me. And for some reason, everything that's going on in my life, God's going to make sure it winds up being blessed. That's the reason he said, in the very last song, it says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. It just makes sense. It makes sense. Father, we thank you, Lord, by your stripes we're healed. We thank you, Lord, that you also supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if we're faced with any difficulty today, Lord, we, are, we know you are our shield. You're going to be there to help us. You're not going to be there to tell us, well, we're just not worthy to get any kind of help, and we're just such, we're just, we're not welcome at your throne or anything like that. No, we know that we've been given a place because of what Jesus has done for us. That didn't leave anything else, but like you said, Lord, we're just going to rejoice of what could be left. And we thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah.